Good morning. My name is Thad Lanthrop. I'm the executive pastor here. I'm glad that you can join us as we continue on in the Edge message series where we're looking at the wisdom of God and how that gives his followers a real edge in life. That's what we looked at last week. And this edge, it shows up in the life of a wise person by just what flows out of their life, the decisions that they make. We all have decisions to make in our judgment all the time. This week, my sister and her family were in town, and they were going to the beach on on Tuesday, and I, I wanted to go with them. I wanted to spend time with them. But as I looked at the week, I just I just couldn't make it work with the work that I had. The decisions that we make, they're like dominoes. If I went to the beach, then I might not have got my work done on time, which could lead to consequences at work, and the dominoes could keep falling, falling from there. And these decisions, they just happen in the flow of life. I want to zoom in on a decision that happened in the flow of life for some people in the Bible. And this situation, it highlights a key truth for us learning how to become a wise person. Take a look at this situation in Matthew 12, 22 through 24. It says, Then a demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him, and he healed him so that the man spoke and saw. Now, I'm just going to stop right there for just a moment. I think we read the Bible really fast sometimes, and we miss out on understanding what was really going on in this situation. Think about the life of this man. He was demon-oppressed. Demon-oppression, that, that's an all-encompassing thing. We see here that there's, there were physical manifestations. He, he was blind. He, he was mute. And... We don't know any of the other things that might have been hassling him from these demons. Did he give in to fits of rage? Was, did he have moments of severe self-condemnation, depression? We, we don't see what all is going on, but we do know he is oppressed by demons. He's hassled by these demons. And so here he is, this outcast of society. He can't see, he can't speak, but he can hear. I'm sure there's many days he heard these degrading comments about him. He can't respond verbally. He can't do anything about it. What a hard life for this man. And in an instant, Jesus heals him. What an amazing miracle that we see here that a lot of times, I know I have just glossed over this sentence before, but when you slow down and see what is going on, it's amazing. What an amazing miracle. And it's so amazing that we see this response from people. They say, and all the people were amazed and said, can this be the son of David? The son of David, that is the Messiah. That is the the one who's come to save our sins. They're saying, This is Jesus. But then the Pharisees, they heard it, and they said, it's only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. So we have these two responses to the miracle. Those who are seeing it right, saying, this is the one who's come to save us from our sins. And those who are looking at the same situation in their judgment, they're saying, it's only by the prince of demons that he can cast out. He must be a demon himself. And Jesus has a rather long response to the Pharisees here. 
And part of this response is found in verses 33 and 35. And Jesus' response, it shows us something vital that we need to gain the edge in life through wisdom. Look at what he says. He says, either make the tree good and its, its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person, out of his good treasure, brings forth good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, brings forth evil. Jesus is saying, how can I cast out demons if I'm a demon myself? That would be doing good. Evil does not produce good. Good does not produce evil. Good produces good. Evil produces evil. And what we see here is very important for us to understand. Our actions reveal what is inside our heart. Evil comes from evil treasure stored in our hearts. Good comes from good treasure stored in our hearts. Now, the word heart, it can be fuzzy for us. This phrase in our culture, you know, we hear things like follow your heart and what heart has become is just basically our desires, our wants, what we think we need. That's what we, we should follow and do. And that's a, different than what the Bible's definition of the heart is. What, what it's talking about here when it says, out of the overflow of your the heart, the mouth speaks. What it's talking about there is the heart is the decision-making core of us. The best way that I've seen this explained is something called the heart diagram. And the heart diagram was developed um, by Harold Bullock as he looked at scripture and how the heart works. And this gives a great picture of what the heart really is. You can find this picture. You'll see it here on the screens. And what it is, is we all have desires in our heart that are good and desires that are bad. And no one is born good. Proverbs talks about folly, being bound up in the heart of the child. We, we all have these good desires, but we have these bad desires as well. And, you know, really anyone who spends time with toddlers can testify to the fact that we, we weren't born good. <laughs> we were not born uh, as good people. And we have this folly in our hearts. So we have these desires that are in our decision-making core. And we also have perspective. Perspective is how we see life really working. And then values. Values are our priority ranking system in our hearts. So our perspective is, you know, if we, if we think there's going to be consequences for showing up to work late, then we're going to show up on time. So we don't, we don't have those consequences. If we don't think there's, if we don't think that's how life really works, then who cares what time we show up for work? Our values are, where do we put things like family and work and money and church and vacations and friendships? How do we rank these things? What goes as a higher priority to others? And this ranking system, it, it forms the values in our heart. So our desires are filtered through how we think life really works, our perspective, and our, our ranking system our priority ranking system, our values. And out of that comes our behavior. And so 
we do this decision-making core process all the time without even thinking about it. This week, the church truck needed to go into the repair shop to get serviced, and um, as I was driving there, I realized, oh, it needs a, a battery, uh, or not a battery, that's why I was taking it, the, the battery kept going dead. I realized it needed an oil change, too. Well, the next day I got a call from the shop and I should have realized, oh, it's going to need more than just the oil change, but I, I didn't. I was a little surprised by the call and the person on the other end started listing off the things that needed to be fixed. The light, there's several lights that needed to be fixed. The exhaust brackets were rusted out. The shocks, which I remembered writing over there is pretty bumpy. So that made sense. And I'm just hearing cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching as the bill is adding up in my head. And I asked about the price and I, I the thing is I trust this shop because they've really treated us well in the past. So I, I could trust that these are things that really needed to be done. It's an older truck and um and then I was thinking we you know we need this thing to work so that we can actually have Sunday morning. So I I said go ahead and fix it all. Well the thing that was going on there that I didn't realize until I thought about it afterwards words was my decision flowed out of my perspective and values on that situation. My perspective was that the truck is critical to our mission. If the truck doesn't start and get here with all the stuff we need for Sunday, we can't have Sunday service. And also my values were I, I really didn't want to spend the money, but having a working truck was a higher value than the money needed to be able to have that working truck. So our perspective and values, they impact our decisions in the flow of life. A lot of times we don't really understand why, how that's happening or that it is happening. And this decision-making core, that, that's what it's talking about when it says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So understanding this can really help in diagnosing your own behavior or the behavior of someone else. Sometimes we, we do things and we think, where did that come from? I don't, I didn't want to speak harshly to my kids. I, I didn't want to slack off at work. I, why did that happen? Well, when you hit situations like that, you need to stop and ask yourself, what, what's my perspective on this situation? Were the kids blocking my goals and, and I valued getting my goal done more than them in that situation? And what are my values? Sometimes we just don't realize we're holding on to things tightly until we're forced to make this decision and out comes this behavior that we didn't want that's damaging to the people around us. And so all of this, understanding that our heart reveals our perspective and our, our values, our behavior, that life just flows out of our heart. Understanding that is really helpful for us as we look at a snapshot of the wise this morning. Snapshots, they can be fun. It's become a tradition for me to get this desk calendar each um, year where there's just pictures for each month that's themed of my family. I, I love it. I love looking at it. It's fun to look at it, have memories. So snapshots can be fun. Snapshots can also be a guide, and that's really what we're looking at this morning. We used to meet at Woodcrest Junior High in uh, Ontario before COVID, and there was a room that we used for our nursery, and we would have to kind of clear the room out and then reset it up each day after we were done using it. And we would take a picture. That picture became our guide for when we, when we cleaned up to get everything as normal like it was before we got there. 
snapshots can give us a guide for what we're shooting for. And that's that's what we're looking at here in the Bible when we're looking at the snapshot of the wise. And these snapshots are found in different sections of the Bible. And you get a snapshot when you see the word wise or wisdom. You can stop and slow down and get a picture of what it's talking about there. And then you read the Bible some more, and then you find the the word wisdom and wise again, and you get another snapshot. And that's a way that you can start to put together a picture of what is what does wisdom look like practically? How can I be a wise person? So let's bounce around the Bible this morning and look at what a wise person is. And the first thing a wise person is, is they live a good life. James 3.13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. A wise person produces good conduct. This lines up with Matthew 12, 33 and 35, where we looked at the person is known by the fruit in their life, right? The good produce good, evil produces evil. So you can't see this good thing happening and say, oh, that's evil that produces it, like the Pharisees were saying. And what this verse makes me question, it makes me think about is what, what then is good conduct? What's the standard for good conduct? Well, the word wisdom that is used here, if you look around at different parts of the Bible, you'll see that it's used for wisdom of God as well. And so what it's talking about here, the standard for good conduct is the wisdom of God. And that's that matches up with what we looked at last week as well. And so the, the good conduct that a wise person produces in their life, so if you see this behavior, then you can you can think that that's a wise person, is the wisdom of God done in humility and weakness. The wise live a good life that flows from learning the wisdom of God found in the Bible and applying it to their life. The wise person's perspective and values line up with God's perspective, how God has made life to work, and with God's values, what he ranks as the highest priority for things. That's what a wise that's what produces good conduct in a wise person's life. And Ephesians five, fifteen through seventeen, it shows us another characteristic of the wise person. And that is they walk exactly. Look carefully then how you walk, not not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. If you're taking notes right now, I want to invite you, circle the word carefully. The New Testament was originally written in Greek, and that's where Ephesians is found. And the Greek word for this word carefully is akrobos, which that, that makes it easy to remember because that's the word we get acrobat for. And you know what? The general public doesn't see sloppy acrobats. Those acrobats don't make it to the final show. You have to be exact when you're flying through the air in a trapeze or walking on the the tightrope. You have to be exact. And that's the type of precision that this verse is using, describing the wise person. They're exact. They understand the will of God, and they do it. At CIV, we have five values that describe 
why we, how we do ministry here, the flavor of the, the ministry here at CIV. And one of those is guided by scripture. And that's because we want to walk exactly with the way that God wants things to be done. And next week we have a baptism on the 10th of October and we get our model for how we do baptism, Matthew 28. 19 or 18 and 19, where it says, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Here you see there's the, the, the first thing that happens is somebody becomes a disciple. They become a follower of Christ. And then the next thing that happens is they get baptized. And the bat, the word for baptized there, it literally means to dip under. So our the way we do baptism at CIV, the way we see it in Scripture, is you become a Christ follower first, you commit your life to follow him, and then you get baptized, fully immersed under the water, and, and you, you come out <clears throat> of the water. That's the way we do it, because we want to walk exactly. And that's... What it's talking about here, the wise person takes the Bible seriously and carefully, exactly does what it said. And then another snapshot of the wise person is found in Proverbs, and that is that a wise person has gumption. Now, gumption is a word that we don't use very often, but it's really fun to say. So maybe we should we should bring it back, bring the word gumption back. Say, hey, that was that was some gumption right there. But what it means is initiative in using good judgment. That's a wise person right there. They have initiative in using good judgment. And Proverbs 30, 24, and 28 gives us some samples of this type of gumption. And it samples in creatures that you wouldn't think about, or I, I wouldn't think about. So take a look at what it says here. Four things on earth are small, but they are exceedingly wise. The ants are are a people not strong, yet they provide their food in the summer. The rock badgers are a people not mighty, yet they make their homes in the cliffs. The locusts have no king, yet all of them march in rank. The lizard you can take in your hands, yet it is found in king's palaces. So the ants store up their food for the future. That, that means a wise person needs to store up their food for the future. That gets difficult, right? When you start storing up things and you think, hey, I'm I'm making some traction here, but then all of a sudden you can afford the new t- big screen TV or the new car that you want or whatever it is, but the wise person keeps things in the proper order. They store up for the future and not sacrifice not not sacrificing um, themselves by just getting what they want, but knowing that things can happen. Another thing that we see here is that rock badgers, they're not mighty, but they, they find a place to hide. They take cover in danger. That's what a wise person does. The locusts, they have no king, but they, they work together. Foolishness isolates. Wisdom aggressively cooperates. And then the lizard, he can be caught in your hand. I've done that. I've done that with my kids recently while well, we didn't use our hands because we didn't want to touch the lizard, but we used buckets and we could catch it. Yet, they can be found in king's palaces. How do they do that? They do that by being diligent. They're caught, and then they get thrown outside, and then they work their way back in. They're diligent. And 
there are verses that are next to each of these things that in the gumption list that um, you can look up on your own to see where Proverbs talks about that um, that specific thing on your own. You can look that up. So it's in this this verse that we looked at, but it's also found elsewhere in the Bible. That is the snapshot of the wise. The wise person lives a good life. They walk exactly. They have gumption. Now, this list, it can be a little overwhelming, right? i got to figure out what God says, how God says life works, and, and walk exactly in it, and, and it can start to feel like overwhelming. Like, how, how can I do this? How can I do all of this? Well, God is gracious. He's loving. He does not demand perfection from us because he knows we're, we're, we're finite people. We, we can't produce a perfect life. He does call us to walk exactly, and we need to grow in that. We need to keep growing and pushing forward in becoming more and more like the wise person. So when we mess up and we don't think, do things God's ways, we got to clear it up. We ask forgiveness. But we don't want this to be overwhelming, to, to feel just like in defeat. I can't get that done. Think about it as an adventure with God. Think about... All the things that you, the ways that we have to grow in our relationship with God, when we learn something new about God, we get to apply that to our life and continue to grow more and more and more like Him, becoming more and more wise, which is going to produce more and more good in our life. This profile of the wise gives us what to shoot for. It shows us how to become more and more wise, producing more and more good in our life. That's the path to wisdom. Reading the Bible, applying it to our life, living a good life, walking exactly, having gumption. And we see how to practice this in Hebrews 5.14. Wisdom, it grows out of us constantly practicing to distinguish good from evil. Hebrews 5.14 says, But solid food is for the mature. Now, the solid food that's talked about here is the, is the Bible. It's the Word of God. The mature can look at the Bible and apply it to their life, see how it fits into their life. And they, they learn how to do this more and more by doing what it says here. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Constantly practicing to distinguish good from evil is the way to become the wise person that we just looked at. And we have some tools that we've looked at this morning in how to do that. There's the heart diagram, the perspective and values. When behavior seems off, you can look and see what What's, where's the perspective off? Where's the values off in that situation? The profile of the wise person gives us the thing to shoot for. Gives us the, the definition of good, which is God's ways. And so that is good. And when we're living life not God's way, or we see a situation and we think, oh, I, I don't want to handle it that way, because it, it's not God's ways. Constantly practicing to distinguish what is good. What is evil? That is going to produce wisdom in our life. A while back, I noticed that there's this tone of harshness in our 
our family as we were relating to other. It was a stressful time, and uh, I quickly realized that the the tone of harshness. Well, I was I was at least part of the source, probably the source of the tone of harshness. I found myself just using the phrase "stop it" a lot with the kids because I just wanted them to stop, stop being loud, stop uh, arguing, or, or whatever it might be, and. As I started to think, what, what was going on in that situation? What, what was I doing? I realized my values had gotten all out of whack. I was, I had ranked efficient communication and getting what I want, which was quiet and peace. I had ranked that over using a kind tone with my kids and, and treating them the way that they should be treated. And so my actions and my tone had become harsh in the home. Our behavior, it flows out of our heart. And I needed to reorganize my values so that I could start communicating to the kids the right way. And I still had to tell them to quiet down at times and do things, but there was a different way to do it than just saying, stop it. There's a way to explain why we needed to be quiet at that time and things like that. That's just one example of practicing to distinguish evil from good. My harshness, it was evil. That just means it, it wasn't God's way for relating in that moment. And my encouragement for everybody this morning is practice distinguishing good from evil this week. Practice it in your own life. Maybe there's some behavior that keeps popping out and now you, you realize it's, that's from your heart. There's something off in your heart that's pop, that this behavior is flowing out of. So ask yourself, what's the What's my perspective in this situation? Where, where is it off from how God is seeing it? Or what, what are my values? How does God value this situation? What, how would he rank the priority here? Or practice distinguishing good from evil, looking at news stories, looking at situations in, in the real world and asking, you know, what, what, what perspective did that person have to make that decision? Or what were they valuing when they chose to do that thing, we can have fun with this. Constantly practicing to distinguish good from evil. It can actually be fun. And while we're doing that, we're aligning our perspective and values to be more and more like God's. So that out of our heart, life will flow. Wisdom will flow out of our heart making good decisions in life. Learning to practice in these ways, is going to help you to grow to be more and more like the snapshot of the wise person. Let's pray and ask God to help us to do that. God, we thank you so much that you've given us the snapshot of a wise person to shoot for. I pray that you'd help us to practice this week distinguishing from good and evil and that we would develop the your perspective on life and develop your values so that out of our hearts can flow this behavior that is wise, that produces good for us and the people around us. We ask for your help to do this, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.